I love Toby Haydock's Who's Round. I know. Well, it's a beautiful day, and uh, I started off uh, on the central line, and about three hours later I'm here, so thanks for the patience of my guest, who has uh, dominated the spaceways, so probably has no time for tube uh, malfunction, so I'm going to ask him who he is and why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. Hello, this is uh, Jeremy Bullock. Um, I'm delighted to talk about Doctor Who. I have fond memories going way back to William Hartnell, the Space Museum, where I had these extraordinary eyebrows sort of stuck on my forehead um, but it was such fun because it was a bit scary because it was half live and they'd have clips of film and the sets were a little bit wobbly but you got through it if the story's good then then it, anyone can just cope with it and you were the sort of juvenile lead and and peter craze is there as well am i right in thinking that you were you were pupils you were both child actors together weren't you you were yeah, peter? Both, both child actors and um we used to say well this is hysterical. What are we doing? But I, I, I loved it, and William Hartnell was quite fun to be with. He'd get a bit tetchy with you and say, come on, come on, remember this. It's pretend. Now, when you come and grab me, I'll fall. You've got to break my fall. It's pretend. Too many people don't know what they're doing. I said, yes, Mr Hartnell, yes, of course, I'm sorry. Well, I, I will watch what you do and then curl round and then stop. And you had to sort of talk yourself into his way of thinking immediately and say oh yes we will I'll do it and right at the end of the the episodes the end of the story he would say well done well done son you listened didn't you you listened you I think you've learned something I said yes I think I have <laughs> so he didn't understand what that last line meant I think I, I just said I've learned a lot but I was being a bit cheeky I was just following him but fascinating I'm glad I worked with him really and um, do you remember the director, Mervyn Pinfield, who was quite an old-school director? Yes, he was, Mervyn Pinfield. I can remember when we were rehearsing in the rehearsal hall that, now if I, this is correct, but he would walk around with a, like a cardboard camera on wheels so he could get his shots and look through. It was bizarre, but it worked. It was perfect. But it, you'd, you'd giggle a bit and... Um, trying to keep yourself a straight face, but he would pull this thing and push this cardboard camera. So it was a prop. So he could go up and just take the thing and get his shot. He knew what it was going to be in the screen. But it used to make me laugh for the first few times. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Nothing. I'm just saying my shoes are sort of pinching me. I Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> he wanted to know why I was laughing and why the rest of them were. Oh, no, it was great. And we were just saying, isn't this wonderful science fiction that we're doing? Uh, it was terribly... I always find it's terribly exciting when you're, when you're cast. That's the first thing. So you go, yes, I've got it, I've got the part. I used to tell my mother, yes, Mum, yeah, I'm there. I've got wardrobe fitting. And that was exciting. I'm going to wear sort of strange clothes. Well, they were fairly ordinary, you know, sort of polar neck, black and black. and So it wasn't... I thought I was going to wear huge things on my head, but that didn't happen. But very exciting to be involved. Yes, because you, the goodies, were in black and had two sets of eyebrows, and then Richard Shaw and Ivor Salter as the baddies yes. had white and big hair. <laughs> that, was... Huge. that was funny because it was the Morox. Yeah. 
and I was tour. But that was um, that was just such such a fun thing, and everyone. William Russell was lovely, and everybody got on well, because it was quite a thing. The rehearse into the studio, you do it back the following week to do the next episode, um, and then of course I moved on to the other one, the next Doctor Who with John Pertwee. The Time Warrior. That, that was fun. There, I wanted to be the big hero. And you see this dashing Robin Hood character, you know, this sort of double wig underneath, but it was well done. It looked quite classy. And then there was extraordinary thing, that, the possibility of me being the male companion to Elizabeth Sladen. And sadly, Miss she is as well, because she was such, again, such fun. But I, it looked as though I was going to join her and get into the, into that telephone booth and off. And I was, they talked to me about it before I finished the, the final episode. They said, Jeremy, what are you doing after this um, series, this story? Do you know what you're doing? I said, well, no, I don't, I don't really know at all. Oh, no, nothing, just... Uh, I should have followed up and said, well, what... What is it? And they were talking about, while I'm here, it was getting a bit dangerous with all the bows and arrows and things going on, and I get on to the TARDIS and, hello there. And there I probably would have followed on for, a, hopefully, a few few stories. That would have been a nice dynamic, actually, having somebody from the past for the Doctor to yes, educate yes, things. Yes, yes, yeah. So it was, they were thinking, and you could see the sort of producer, I can't remember his name. Barry Letts. Barry, of course. How could I forget? But it was... Definitely, they were talking about it, and that would have been that would have been fun. Well, it's interesting um, because the 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 time warrior is my birth story. I was born between the transmission of episodes three and four (laughs) of the time warrior. Thanks for letting me know. (laughs) But it's interesting that it's a favourite of mine. I love it. Um, It's a great cast, and uh, it's interesting that both of your Doctor Who stories were directed by directors who were, st- in, in the general rub of the way that Doctor Who went, were quite old school, in that Alan Bromley hadn't done a Doctor Who before. He only did one afterwards, many years later, and he walked off it because the, the working practices were more modern, and yes, I guess he was... Yes. So, so was the, and I remember Elizabeth Sladen saying that she felt that he was perhaps slightly off-kilter for directing Doctor Who, because he'd been a BBC producer for so long. So he's very much BBC producer. He was very much, um, right, OK, Jeremy, ready? But, you know, it was very... It was the slapping of the hands a bit. But, you know, the, you, you believe this, that you do the thing and you listen to what that director's saying. If, and you, you, as you get older, you can actually say, well, actually, can't I do it this way? But up until I was probably 19, I never said a word. I just did what they wanted me to do. Then occasionally you think, well, wouldn't it be nice like this, of this side? And you could see a director looking at you to say, is he old enough to question me? <laughs> Yes, he probably is. Yeah, well, try it, Jeremy. Try it. That that would be fine. You know, uh, that's when you feel you've made your mark by answering someone back or disagreeing, but in a nice way, because I always feel you've got to get on, you haven't got a lot of time, let's just do it, and if it doesn't work, we'll try it his way or my way. So he was very much, right, you've hit the mark, did this, right, that's it. That was Alan Bromley. And, uh, well, of course, in the Time Warrior was the beginning of John Pertwee's final year as Doctor Who. Do you remember John? Well, I remember him shriekingly funny, and uh, it was he said, I can't possibly stand there with you firing bows and arrows at me. What is going on? I said, no, it's arrows. Do you fire arrows? All right, all right, yes, yes, of course. (laughs) Don't fire bows. 
But he just giggled all the time, so he kept... The whole set was giggly, warm feeling and, and funny. He was, he was a delight. But that was, again, you were on location, it was exciting. Away from the Space Museum, there was no location. You were just in this... But here we were by castles, firing arrows and... And just being here, I am middle-aged. Um, sorry, I didn't mean middle-aged <laughs> in the Middle Ages. Um, firing this arrow and being the best. And then you had June Brown, and that was that was wonderful to to work with her as well. I mean, everybody on that because because you're dressing up in different gear, you do feel I'm playing another part. So if you don't like what I'm doing, um, that's Jeremy there, but. This bit is pretend, going back to William Hartnell. But it, fabulous, fabulous fun, You just non-stop giggling, but the job was done. I don't, I don't want to keep saying I giggled but as soon as he walked <laughs> on the set. Um, but I did, I am a bit of a giggler, and Liz Sladen is a giggler, you know, was, I should say, but she was a delight, and she went on to... Be an excellent, definitive, excellent, yeah. yeah. And because because you did Robert of Showed as well, are you a proficient archer? Well, I think I am. Yes, I think I look. I can use a staff very well. Um, and I was a religious character, of course, in Robin of Sherwood, but pretty useful with the bow and arrow. And I did tell them. I said I have done, you know, and uh, I'd be quite useful. I did ask. I, I know I'm jung- jumping, That's fine. but I I did ask to be in. Robin of Sherwood. It's the first time I've ever done that, and the answer coming back was, "Well, you're you're too old. The merry men they're ten at least ten years younger." Oh, oh well, I thought I normally I would never. You, your agent does that for you, but I just thought this would be terrific. I'd love to do it. Having played the part in Doctor Who as the dashing bowman. Um, uh, exactly a year later, I heard a thump on the floor for the letterbox. And there was this script, Robin of Sherwood. Um, well, we moved on and we were doing the second series, We'd Love You to Play This Part of Edward of Wickham. And that was an exciting time. Ah, so when you asked to see to be in it, you hadn't actually seen the show, you'd just got wind of it. Yes, got wind of it that I thought, well, I, I think I could be in... And they said, you're too old, bless you, sweetheart, thank you. So I, well, that, at least I tried. But then the following year... This so they devised script, a part yeah, well, they, you? No, or? just it was in one episode as, you know, how, how the... No, not how the Archer, I'm going back to Edward of Wickham. One. Edward of Wickham. There's always something of something. Uh, Edward of Wickham, and, they say, and then they started to write me into lots of different episodes as the sort of rather religious villager. Well, wonderful, again. That was a job everyone seems to have loved doing. Everybody said, and they said it should have gone on and on, and there was going to be a new series, but by then it was too late. I think they lost money on, I can't remember this, the film with Al Pacino and his Goldcrest Productions, and I think they didn't have enough money to pay that off because it, it didn't do well at the box office. Now, had it done well, we, we would have gone ahead more. with the next series, yeah. Shame. But, you know, these things happen, you have to say, oh, well, at least I did one series. No, two, I think. Um, and they were going to do, this is 13 episodes, the whole of the year. 
And it's lovely to be enjoying something, but also to be in work. Yeah. And you, you, you and uh, you, two cult heroes, both you and John Abenary, both in Robin of Shaw, because mm. John did a lot of Doctor Who's. And... Oh, John, John was huge fun again. Sort of very. But everyone got on. I know everyone says this. Oh, we all got on terribly well. And you hear about people not getting on at all well. Um, but everyone had a fantastic time. And you'd, you'd go down there, and we called you and Jeremy, just want to rehearse a little bit with the horse hitting you in the face. But other than that, we don't need you. So you'd go all the way back to London. I think it was cheaper to, to have you go back to London rather than put you up in a hotel and feed you. It was fine. So I was doing. I was driving backwards and forwards all the time. And it's 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 funny how you seem to have straddled all sorts of cult is the wrong word. Iconic, I think, is a Iconic, better word. Yes, yeah. um, cult always seems to be pejorative, and I, yeah. uh, I don't know why. But um, Doctor Who, Robin of Shodu, we touched upon. You've done James Bond, and of course, we're not going to dwell too much on it because no, I'm sure you talk no. about it all the time, and there's other things to talk about. But you're you're the coolest character in the whole of the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> Well, it goes from, you know, being open and the long hair, you know, Robin of Sherwood, and and you suddenly get this part, which was tiny part. I mean, the least I've done speaking dialogue in anything I've, I've been in. And suddenly this, over the years, this character has become a cult, iconic. And because he is cool, he's dangerous, you never know what he's going to do. And... I stood in a studio doing a few movements and crossing my hands and looking left and right. It, it was bizarre. And yet I get letters from all over the world and it, it's difficult to keep up with that. I mean, I wrote a book and that's done very well. That goes, I send it out. and That's important as well because it took me four years to write. Mm. Um, yeah, It is involved when people say, God, you did three James Bond films. Yes, but... That was quite small. It was Q's assistant, Smithers. And, and it was great. And again, Roger Moore, another person who said, oh, are you here again? Another day. Uh, if I slow up, then maybe you can get an extra day. That would be quite fun, won't it? I said, yes, that would be. Well, come and share the caravan. Uh, he's that sort of person, Roger Moore. Unless you're not credited on your first one as Smithers. No. Well, I think it was salt, just... Or? No, I think, well, yes, probably was. I think it was mainly because, oh, it, I believe it is not very much, but would you like to do it? And I said, yes, that's fine. I think it was just going to be a one-off, but they got me back in to do another one. So, but it doesn't matter. People, lovely, they come up and say, oh, you're not billed, you know. You're not billed. I said, what do you mean, for a, what, to pay a, a bill? No, you're not in the in the films. They don't see you. There's not got Smithers down there. I said, oh. There you are. And again, a lot of people spell my name with a K yeah. at the end, not an H. That's happened. There's nothing you can do. There's no point. In, first of all, you say, oh, by the way, my name is spelt with an H. Oh, well, that'll do. You know, so the attitude is, well, there it is, that'll do. Yeah. But No, I'm very proud of my name because it's Scottish. My dad was McGregor Bullock. So. Well, let's, let's go back to your background because you were one of six. So yeah. is that part of... Why you became an actor? Because you need to get noticed. Yes, I need to get noticed. Now. <laughs> well, my mum married twice, and so you had, in the elder ones, there was Rupert, Robert, and Stephanie, the eldest. Then there was Nigel, myself, Jeremy, and Sally. Um, and, of course, my, my brother, Robert, this producer, 
associate producer on the Star Wars, he was responsible for me getting an interview for, and he said, oh, it's not very much, it's a couple, couple of days, maybe, a couple of days. Well, I was in the theatre at the time, so I was thinking, well, at least I've got the theatre. But I went to see everybody. I met uh, George Lucas on the set and in the costume. I had to dress up in the costume. And this is why I thought I got the part, was I fitted it. I fitted the suit. They didn't have another one. I zipped it up and came perfect. Size 10 shoes, I'm size 10. Neck collar, 16, I'm 16. And people said, well, why did they choose you? I said, it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Not only my brother saying, well, look, at least we can get you up, and, you know. If it happens, great. I'll see you on the set sometime. But it was meant to be. See, yeah. size is important sometimes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It, it, they, they weren't going to... If, if I was sort of rather exploding a little bit, a little bit large, forget it. It was average height. I was 5 foot 11. And, and I was really perfect for the part. So were thousands of others if they'd sat down. But I managed to get there, meet up with Gary Kurtz, the producer, and then George. And he said, I remember him saying, looking, hmm, yeah, okay, lovely, okay, well, welcome aboard, Jeremy, we'll see you on Monday. And I'm sure he knew that I was Robert's Mm -hmm. half-brother. And that was it, I saw them. But I was doing a play in the evening, so that was going to be a bit of a problem, but... They got round and said, well, work round you, don't worry about it, Jeremy. But suddenly I have to say, I have to go. And there's one shot, they had somebody else, Andrew Morton. And is it Andrew Morton, I'll be seeing him soon. And he stood in very quickly, a quick scene, and I had to dash to the theatre. Only for that week, I was finishing in the, in the theatre for that week, so I was then free for the rest of the time. But I, I think that was... Sometimes you have some luck, and I think that was my bit of luck. Well, but it's not lucky to have been... Um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of child actors do well when they're juveniles, and then that's yeah. it, and they have to... You know, and, and also, a lot of people get a bit of cult success um, and eke out the rest of their times doing conventions and things like that, but you've done that concurrently with having a bona fide, good career, continuing yeah, as we I speak. Think, well, that's a good point. I, I think... I think I have had a good career, and it's still going, but as I get older, I have ten grandchildren, and I, I want to see what they're doing, because a lot of the time, you know, see, we have, we'll try and get over them, we'll try and... and... I have four lovely Irish granddaughters living out in Kinsale. They're absolutely... Well, they're all stunning. Eight girls, two boys. And, and I want to see more of what they're doing. How are things getting on? Well, not on that granddad but you know you want to be as young as them mm-hmm. and you want to be saying now what let me have a look at the writing because I always say it's a birthday so I will give them a really decent pen to learn how to write my father wrote beautifully and I think my writing is neat so you try and keep them up so it's flowing not the sort of <laughs> you can't really see this but they, you know they hold the pen through their fingers and I don't know how they, what they, what's going to happen to their hands when they're old, but keep the, the, the little ones. And when you have the whole lot together, we've only ever had eight all together, and sitting out there, it's an absolute shriek. Mm. Just so funny. And that I'm glad I have the children and the grandchildren now, so that's nice. Ten? I, I don't think I'll be no. able to remember everybody's name. No, well, <laughs> I, I have, to, have to keep looking at a notebook. 
Now, tell me, now, you've, you've done quite a bit. What's your name? Ah, that's what it is. Now, I'll never remember that. Now, let's have a look. No, you're right. You're right. It's difficult to remember. Well, when you go up for something like Spooks, you know, does... does you know, did they ever go? Hang on, you were you were Boba Fett, you yeah. know, or or those things that you just get offered anyway. I, there's this funny. I've had there was one director, and I can't remember his name. I'm probably trying not to remember it, but it was that wonderful thing. And you're saying, could you just read this little bit for me, Jeremy? Thank you. And there's the producer and the director, and I can't remember what this program was. And he said, mm, "Well, well, we're still seeing quite a few people." Um, but if you, if you don't get this part, um, you couldn't send a photograph to my young son, could you? Because I said, if I get the part, yes. <laughs> and I always remember that. He was sort of slightly saying, you know, it'd be nice, even if you don't get this part, to send... Well, you're good enough to give me autograph, but you're not good enough don't. to be in my show. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody ever talks enough about stage, and you've done a lot of uh, stage work. So what have been some of the highlights of your theatre? Um, <clears throat> Dangerous Obsession was a West End play I did in 1986-7 for a year and it was a three-hander and one of those plays that keeps an audience seriously riveted because this man arrives and the whole, the whole set was a bird's cage huge, just perfect like a conservatory and Right at the beginning, they have Ravel's music going, and this knock at the door, man with a briefcase, and my wife in the store just turns and looks, what is it? And the, the music goes up. He said, I did ring. I did ring. I said, you know, he was trying to point that I'm trying to ring. And she said, oh, yes, all right. So he comes in, and then suddenly he just changes his. Uh, and it was just the way I come back from week's work and I sort of lean and give me a gin and tonic oh you know who this is don't you and I look up and I say no I don't think so and, and then gradually he pulls the gun out as this wonderful Dinsdale Landon oh. myself I can't remember at the moment um, I will um, and he comes with a gun and I said hey what, how do you do and he fires the gun and I have in there a button which triggers off an, an explosion in the glass and it goes like this Oh, I think we've got plenty to talk about, he says. And then the curtains oh. goes. And this tremendous delayed applause. And this is well, like the first night, because you're, you're a bit nervous and all help. But that I did for a year. And at one time, when people say, someone said to me, which was an interesting question, have you ever reached perfection in portraying a character? I said, well, this dangerous obsession, I think... I think we did. There was the curtain came down again. This right at the end of the play, round of applause. But then it went up a notch, and I turned both to Dinsdale and to, and we'll remember. Um, I turned, and I said, "Do you know? I think we've you cannot cannot better what we did tonight. You can't." He said, "I think you're right, but of course you never reach perfection. You think you do." But the feeling was, there was you were being wrapped up in something, saying, "You cannot do better than it was." Sort of sci-fi. just flying. We just yeah. on a thing, and I, I went to the pub next door, and some people came in, and I was just having a pint, 
because I needed to just rep before. And I was going to phone Maureen and say, I'll be back, I'll get some food in and, you know, I'll do that. And I sat the pint and several people came and said, we've just seen you in the play. We've just seen you in the play. Which one? He said, who? Here, the Dangerous Obsession. I said, oh, did you enjoy it? Enjoy it. I, I had to almost be picked up off the floor. I couldn't, I didn't, and there was genuine response to that. Now that, I suddenly said, well, if I never do this play or that play or this play, I've cracked it. Well, of course you haven't, but what a fabulous feeling to drive home. Get there, I said, I said to Maureen, get some wine, this quick, quick. And we had this meal takeaway and just sat there. And for three days, I was, it's rather like Andy Murray winning mm. Wimbledon. He, he doesn't know where to go next. Three yeah. days, and then people say, oh, wonderful, Andy Quite rightly, deserved far more energetic than us in the play. But that one feeling I will remember all my life. If someone says, well, what have you done? That's a dangerous obsession. could almost do the same voice for Boba Fett in Star Wars. <laughs> but that, that was my favourite, the play Dangerous Obsession. That's very nice, because actually for most of our lives as actors, we're wondering what's coming next yeah. or you, thinking about lost opportunities. Yes, yeah. um, so to have a moment of serenity where you go, actually, actually, we're, we're bang on here. Yeah. And also you feel, say, you feel like picking up the phone to the producer. I'm not coming in tonight. I'm tired. <laughs> I've peaked. No, but you do. <laughs> of course, the, the, the next evening was nowhere near. We, we, we were racing. We were trying to time stuff. Instead of just playing the play, we were... We all agreed, sorry about that, and we all apologised to each other. I, we were racing through it. just, And I stood in for somebody. Somebody, I think the leading men were having a bit of a tish, and it wasn't working. So I was lucky. Funnily enough, I was decorating, and I was called up to go for a look at the script. Can you let us know by midnight tonight? Because you'll be doing it. So... I let them know. I said, yes, I think it reads really well. Um, well, what's happening? We need you in tomorrow. And that was a Saturday. And I had a week's rehearsal, including playing it at Bromley and then Richmond into the West End. It was that quick. Blimey, seat of the fun. Because yeah. you've alluded a couple of times to, to decorating. I love this idea that you are a skilled painter and decorator, self-taught to do in-between <laughs> work. So there are people around London who probably don't know that their house has been painted by Boba Fett off Well, they could have done that. I mean, there's wonderful time where I was in Putney decorating and we went in there and the ceiling had collapsed because of the frozen pipes. So we had to phone through. Duh, 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 duh. And we, I finally got hold of him. I said, I'm terribly sorry to say this. I mean, we'll get somebody else in. Well, what, what's the matter? What's happened? I said, well, your ceiling's collapsed and it's flooded. What have you done? And, of course, the blame was coming straight onto <laughs> me. I said, no, you haven't done anything. Frozen pipes, think about it. There's been leakage overnight. I've come in, I've tied it up loads. Well, what have you done, you fool? You... And the amount of stick they get for no reason at all is... And then finally I got this, the worst job ever in the world. He said, can you put up wallpaper? I was in Knightsbridge, I said... Yes, I can, actually. I said, I think I'm rather scared. I was then beginning to perform. I thought, I'm not having all this. So I said, well, actually, yes, I was one of the finest wallpapers in London. Really? I said, yes, because I learnt from French. 
I was talking absolute bilge. <laughs> but I thought, no, you're going to get the full whack here. This is it. Now, what wallpaper are you thinking I'm having? He said this, and it was that wide, the width, going going down. I thought, oh, it's one of these hand where you have to wear white gloves to put it up so there's no smear or anything. It took me three days to do that, which is a record time, because I was working late, and it looked absolutely fantastic. But, my goodness, you had to bring out all your memory, don't touch that. And I had a guy working with me, so I said, don't, whatever you do, don't touch the edges, because once they're smeared... And all those years ago, a long time ago, 70s, late 70s, it, it was £45 a roll. And it was just, it was Regency, whatever the thing. I went with the guy to pick up the paper. And afterwards he said, I've never seen such a wonderful job. You took your time, didn't you? Two days. I said, yes, two days. I said, and that was... The one roll did the whole stairwell going all right the way down. But I, I thought it was pretty good. And I said to him, I said, yes, it's come out really well. Because you can have some where you think, I'm going to have to take this off, start again. This is where paper's slightly off. It's not straight. So I learnt to, to work on my feet, really. Or work on my hands. <laughs> Well, and uh, I'll wind up because you've been very generous with your time, but there's a couple of questions. Um, an unusual thing, you've, you've been here for 42 years, you've got that unusual thing of a long and successful marriage whilst being in the acting profession. That's no hard... No, it's, it's, hard, it's, it's, it's still hard work, that is right. I say to Maureen, who was a former model, terrific, you know, she did all the clothing and, and I met her in Malta you know, years ago, and I, and I said, be careful here, you might slide it, you know, it's a bit of a thing on the beach. Someone said, that's the guy in Newcomers, the soap opera. That's him. She said, well, I don't watch television. So I had to sort of go up and say, morning, how are you? Group of models doing shots and, you know, dresses. and So that was, fair. and it's it's tough, you know, for over 40 years, and we we niggle more than argue. I said, oh, no, well, that'll do. No, it won't do. We've got to do as any couple would. So um, I think I think we've done pretty well. And you've done pretty well as, 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 as an actor as well. So is there anything that you would like to do that you haven't done or would have liked to have done? There's, uh, I'd like to have done probably some more Shakespeare. Lots of things I'd like to do. Um, but I'm not worried about not working. My, my agent said, come on, you need to... But I'm not worried now. Having done it for 55 years, I think, well, I'll take a break. The convention thing is on and off. Sometimes we, someone said, we'd like you to come to San Salvador. And then afterwards, Colombia. I said, yes, but we'll have to try and work it out. And then Australia next year, they want me to go to. So every week, there's somewhere someone wants you to go and you have to say no. Mainly because of the character Boba Fett just the helmet they want to know what's the guy like underneath that helmet well of course you uh, you were in the more recent um, incarnation of of the Star Wars franchise as well was that a sort of thank you from George Lucas well I think it was very nice I mean I played three parts I played in Imperial Officer Lieutenant Shekel then Captain Colton in this latest one yeah. Revenge of the Sith um and they just said, well, would you like... Oh, thank you, Jeremy. We're coming back to the studios here in England. And 
and Rick McCullum, the producer, said, well, there's a, a bit here, it's not very much, it's the pilot of the blockade runner. Um, but it's nice, least, you get good well, screen it's time. Nice. It was great, and, and then also, you know, I managed to meet up with Ewan McGregor, and I had, he said, well, God, you played Boba Fett, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so that was fun, so I ended up playing the three parts. And of course now, all the, everyone's talking about, you're going to be in the new films. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know. I, mean, I did one interview where, where the bloke said, you're going to be in the new films. I said, I'm sorry, I can't say anything. Because that doesn't say anything at all. And of course there's nothing, you know, no one's been asked apart from the main people. I think it would be nice to do a cameo without ruining what J.J. Abrahams is doing. Nice to just be walking across... So that would be fun. Well, um, I ask you to nominate a charity because you've kindly given your time uh, for for nothing. And the the listeners, you aren't paying listeners, so dig deep for the charity that we're about to mention. Um, I would go for um, premature baby clinics and things because one of my grandsons was a prem baby, born very early. So, and he fought through everything and he was, he's as bright as a button now. So, you know, that was that's something that needs a lot of work. Yeah, scary time yeah. for, for yeah. families. For lots of families who are a young, too, quite early baby and tiny, mm. um, I think that's they're, they're doing a great deal with that as well. So that would be my charity. Wonderful. And we've convened here in the 50th year of Doctor Who <laughs> to, uh, to talk about Doctor Who as a springboard for many other things. But Doctor Who fans will be listening. So what's your message to the Doctor Who fans out there? Keep watching. You never know, Boba Fett might appear in Doctor Who and take over the world. That would be a good crossover. Yes. <laughs> that would be nice to see. Well, Jeremy Bullock, for your hospitality, for your time and for your fascinating conversation, thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Toby. Thank you. That was great. I hope that was okay for that you. That was nice. That was very relaxing as well. Well, thanks to Jeremy, who has beautiful handwriting, by the way. He's nominated uh, sort of premature baby clinics, that sort of thing. So uh, there's a couple. There's um, www.bliss.org.uk or www.tommies.org. But, you know, I'm not going to be prescriptive if there's a premature baby organisation close to your heart. Go with that. Uh, My thanks to Simon Harries for facilitating that interview and to Jeremy for his time and for showing me his Boba Fett room. Uh, next episode of Toby Haydock's Who's Round is a designer who's never talked about his time on Doctor Who before. That's a cool next time to talk. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions... The Avengers, The Lost Episodes, Volume 3. Hello? Is there a Dr. David Keelhart, please? Yes, who's speaking, please? The name's Steed. You killed him! I told you we should have taken him to hospital straight away! Shut up! What are you going to do now? Don't you see what that means? Will you shut up and let me think? Ah, the tent. It is beautiful. I've got a fiver he's a copper. I can smell it a mile off. Whatever he is, it's our business, and we'll attend to it. You just do that, because if I wind up back inside, you're coming with me. Carol, have you seen this in the paper? 
attempted assassination. I am honored, Mr. Ope. You gave me quite a start. Sanderson, sir. My card? You wouldn't do that. Tell me where I can find Carol Wilson. I don't know. You're trying my patience, Lola. You know, there is one particular rat she's more afraid of. Who's that? Get in here! Oh, who's that? Get down! They've got guns! I said get down! Hello? I can hear you. Keep away from me! Oh, you've shown up at last, have you? Good to see you too. Putting on weight, aren't you? 